Accept the challenges so that you can feel the exhilaration of victory. General George S. Patton. He's kind of crazy. She's a little insane. Keeping energy really messes with his brain. One is the forest. The other's husband is dead. That's why it's so messed up in the head. It's a silver linings playcast. Hello, everybody. It's oh, yeah. Jamie Ward, and this is the Silver Linings Playcast. As far as I know, it's the only podcast solely devoted to discussing the Silver Linings Playbook, the book, and Silver Linings Playbook, the movie. Uh, actually, let's get started right now. One, I'm very surprised. This is our fifth episode, and if <laughs> I can't believe we've been around five episodes. Well, I guess it's not hard to be around doing a podcast because basically if you have the equipment and the time, you can do a podcast. There's really no other requirements. It's not a credit, but this is our fifth one. I, I always start with the intro, you know, introducing myself, Jamie Ward, the host that uh, I, I think I'm the host of the only Silver Linings Playbook themed podcast, but I actually, I did some research into that. I did some Googling to see if there's any other Silver Linings Playbook podcasts. Now, what I found out is there are a number of other podcasts that have Silver Linings in the title, and some even make plays on the film title, Silver Linings Playbook. I I did a a search on, I think it was uh, Anchor and... Uh, iHeartRadio app, the Apple app. So let me go over some of the other podcasts that have very similar titles, but we'll find out. I think still that I am the only one that is devoted to discussing the movie Silver Linings Playbook and the book, oh, excuse me, uh, The Silver Linings Playbook, the book. So I only searched Silver Linings Playbook, and actually I, I ended up just typing in Silver Linings, uh, plural. There's way more Silver Lining podcast titles. Almost all of those are uh, motivational podcasts. So I figured because they didn't even get the the, um, plurality of the word linings correct, they were probably not about the movie or the book. So let's go over some of the podcasts I found. There's The Silver Linings Playlist. Very clever title. I actually kind of wish I had that. I I should have known I wasn't the only podcast with this name because Silver Linings podcast was not available when I went to go get the name and the website. So (laughs) that's why we're the Silver Lining Playcast. I actually, it's grown on me. I kind of like it better. Anyway, the Silver Linings Playlist has 90 episodes as of 17 July, 2020. Uh, it is a podcast about movies with other than happy endings. So they actually, they start off the very first episode. They, they are really not talking about Silver Linings Playbook at all. Some of the other titles are, are puns, but every episode is a discussion of a different movie. And they're all movies that basically have sad endings. And then they talk about like hypothetical other endings. I'm sure it's very good. I don't know, but not Silver Linings Playbook because one, Silver Linings Playbook has a happy ending. All right, the next one I came up with was Silver Linings Conversations. There are eight episodes of that podcast as of 11 July 2020. It is a Christian podcast uh, about inspirational conversations. So also probably not about the movie. It was rated R, the movie. So I'm not saying that you couldn't talk about that on a Christian podcast. I actually think you can because it's a very nice, it's mostly just for language and maybe uh, like innuendo, I don't even know how to say, like they talk about sexual situations a little bit, but not that much. You could, you could watch a perfectly good airplane cut of Silver Linings Playbook and really not lose much. Uh, uh, So I think that's safely not about the movie, but I don't 100% know. Just saying. I don't think it is. Okay, there's a podcast called The Silver Lining. It has two and a half episodes as of 20 April 20, uh, 20, 20 April 2020. I paused weird there. I say it has two because there is two episode ones. There's basically, she has an episode where she's talking about what the podcast is, which is most of the podcast. And then she has a 1A, which I believe was released the exact same day. 
The description of that podcast is, it's a look behind the curtain of a professional bookkeeper and financial boss lady. So that is probably not about the movie or book either. It may be, uh, because this movie is totally for boss ladies, if they mean that in like a really cool go get them uh, assertive, I don't, I'm just saying, I think safely that podcast is not our competitor. Okay, there's Jody's Silver Linings podcast. 31 episodes as of 29 October 2019. It is a podcast about inspiration, specifically for creatives, for writers, painters, stuff like that. Uh, so it... It could possibly be related. It could have gotten brought up, but I think they're just using the term silver linings as an inspirational expression. All right. Here's the big one. The Silver Linings Podcast. The ones that got the name The Silver Linings Podcast. There's two episodes as of 10 March 20, and it is about overcoming obstacles in life. The fact that it only started a couple months ago, 20 March 2020, or 10 March 2020, earlier this year, right about when all the shutdowns were starting for the pandemic. Also, also, I'm not making fun of them for just having started this year because, hey, I just started this year. This is actually my only month and first week of doing this. So that is really uh, not a factor when I'm talking about this. But the thing about that is I think... That is just literally about overcoming the obstacles in life, right? They're use, most of these podcasts, hold on one second. <clears throat> Excuse me. My throat is parched. Uh, <laughs> is, uh, they're using the term silver linings basically the way it was originally intended to sort of be like looking at the bright side. We are going to discuss that later because this whole episode is about the literal expression silver linings playbook. We're going to do some title breakdowns and stuff, but we got a couple more podcasts to talk about. There is another, the silver linings podcast that has eight episodes as of 29 May, 2018. Also not about the movie. There's one called little, little silver linings. One episode of as of five February, 2019. That one is not about the movie or the book. Then we have, okay, I guess there's like four with the title Silver Linings Podcast. They could have gone by Silver Linings Podcast. I just couldn't could have gotten the website, the Silver Linings Podcast, which by the way, I do have a website. It is silverliningsplaycast.com. Check us out. Uh, you can also hit us up at Silver Lining, the Silver Linings Playcast at Gmail. If you ever want to be a guest or have information for us to respond to any of our questions we ask. All right. But the Silver Linings podcast, this last one is by uh, Claude Silver. 33 episodes as of 6 January 2020 is about servant leadership tips, emotional optimism, and heart. I'm guessing that the servant leadership tips is talking about uh, some type of like Christian position as well. Not sure. Emotional optimism and heart, both on theme with both the movie and the book Silver Linings Playbook. And yet the podcast is not about Silver Linings Playbook. Now, if you extend the podcast search to the term silver lining, not plural uh, podcast, you don't even have to type in podcast, you will get a lot of results. But almost all of those, I can assure you, are just, they're, they're all inspirational, motivational podcasts. Most of them, a lot of them are by different mental health experts. You also have a lot of sports podcasts about that. Uh, they, you, uh, and a lot of specific episodes where people make different puns about both just the, the expression Silver Linings and the movie Silver Linings Playbook. Now, I got really interested because I one of the reasons I didn't wasn't really drawn to this movie when it first came out. And I'm talking about when I saw the previews and stuff, I did not look like a movie I wanted to see. And I have some really just like idiosyncratic pet peeves about movies. And one of them is I don't like weird titles that don't sound like something somebody would ever say, or I can't understand the part of speech. 
you'll understand what I mean in a second. The term Silver Linings Playbook, when I heard that as a title, it sounded really weird. I'm like, is that is that a, a thing? Is that an expression? Is it a, a, an action? Is that a sentence? Silver Linings Playbook, there doesn't seem to be a verb in there. I didn't understand it, and so I didn't like it. Also, I've talked in other podcasts about how I uh, it didn't look like it was going to be a movie that was very good. I thought it was going to be the same old story. I think I thought it was going to be about Bradley Cooper being a, a player on the Eagles because he wears his jersey way too much during the preview. We're going to have a whole other episode on movie previews. But anyway, I didn't like the title, Silver Linings Playbook just does not stand out to me. It sounds strange. Maybe that's because I wasn't taking it literally enough and realizing that they, they were meaning it as an optimistic thing. But then also, too, I don't like movies that have titles that sound like they're going to be too optimistic. I, I don't want to watch a movie that that's selling itself as inspirational from the very title because then I kind of feel like you're not going to be that dark, down and gritty story that I really want. Some of the things that make movies so good, stories so good, are conflict. You have to have obstacles for your character. You have to have characters that are are hurt and driven to overcome these problems. Little did I know that this is a dark comedy. It is all about mental health and some very sad situations that this guy has been put into. Uh, you know, his wife was cheating on him and they're separated or she left. He has been institutionalized. Her, uh, Tiffany's husband was killed. I'm not laughing at that. I'm just laughing at my misunderstanding of how, uh, cheery I thought this was going to be. So once again, I don't think the preview did the film a, a good service. That being said, if you actually told what people people what the movie was about from the outset, they might not have gone. So they probably, whoever is in the make the trailer department, did a good job making something to trick people into go saying it. Anyway, it took me a while. If you go back to episode one, I believe it is, where I explained the story of how long it took me to actually see the movie Silver Linings Playbook, then you'll understand that I didn't get swept up in it, but enough people did. It did just fine as demonstrated in the last two episodes of the podcast. See, I'm so excited that this podcast has been around long enough. I can cite previous episodes and different episodes. So it's not all like on the second episode, I would have only been able to cite episode one, episodes three and four, which if you didn't listen to them, check them out. I have a great conversation with my friend, Nick Cassano, who is a uh, TV writer and he is also a drone pilot. <laughs> I just like saying that. Anyway, we talked about the Academy Awards. I think the 85th Academy Awards when this movie came out and was nominated. So uh, that was so it it did fine. It did just fine. I did some research into where the expression silver lining comes from. Now, if you're not familiar with the expression silver lining, people say, you know, there's a silver lining to everything. You got to look for the silver lining. It is basically talking about there. There's like a bright side to a situation. It's like a a goal. So that's why it's associated with all those inspirational podcasts and stuff. I I'm not gonna go too into it. If you're smart enough to be able to be listening to this, and I don't mean smart because it is a dumb idea to be listening to this. We are all wasting time by this thing existing. So. Turn it off now if you have anything more important going on in life. I don't claim to be the important doing this. I just enjoy it. I love it. This is my passion. But the expression, silver linings, from where, from my research, I found most people trace it back to a phrase from John Milton's Calmus from 1634. I'll explain what that is in a second. But basically, sort of like a play, and there's a line, Was I deceived, or did a sable cloud turn forth her silver lining on the night? So what this comes from is it's actually called a mask. And I, I looked up the Oxford English Dictionary 
definition is a short allegorical drama, dramatic entertainment of the 16th and 17th century performed by mask actors. So it's a play. And they were very interesting because there's, there's a lot of differences between just that and a play. They were sort of, especially this one, uh, John Milton's Comus, which was, I think, done in, in a noble's house. One of the really fascinating facts I found out was that, so these weren't necessarily just performances for nobles. The, who you think, like, nowadays you might think of somebody making a play for somebody to present it. Maybe not now. That's kind of a weird 2020. Not, not that crazy, though. People do make things to try to impress other people. Uh, I'm not going to get into that right now, but this, this mask, which by the way, is sort of the root of where we get like masquerade masquerade is a party where everybody wears masks. So that's, that's where this comes from. If I'm saying mask, I think that's where it's how it's pronounced. It's spelled M A S Q U E, but this is, uh, you know, something where actually the nobles who might be sort of like the intended targets of of who you're making this for, they might actually be in the presentation. So it's sort of like, hey, I'm going to write this mask for this person I look up to to perform for all of his friends and family or however, you know, the 16th and 17th century English nobility, whatever their social orders was like I was saying masquerade is a gathering uh, where people wear masks in a party. They look like a lot of fun. Also masquerade is the first number after the uh, orchestral break during the inter after the intermission in act two of Andrew Lloyd Webber's phantom of the opera. Just so you know, I'm sure all my listeners know that because <laughs> there's a lot of crossover between people that are interested in musical theater and my podcast. Now, this was something I found funny. The, the mask Calmus was in honor of chastity, which the Oxford dictionary says as the state of, or practice of refraining from extramarital or especially from all sexual intercourse. And (laughs) the irony of that is so funny to me. I don't know if any of this was researched or thought out by the time that it got to Matthew quick, when he wrote his book, the silver linings playbook, I, I never put it past an author either. Like if I did this research pretty fast to get down to this level and authors often do a lot of really good research when they're writing their books, symbolism is a huge thing, putting in all these different things that mean different things, represent different things. So you know what? Maybe he dug really deep and found all this. I think that would be super cool. One of the things about art, though, is sometimes because there's you already have great symbolism just in Silver Linings Playbook, and it's a whole theme about redemption. And Pat is this character who is always trying to move forward and better himself and his life. All the characters are. That's one of the reasons it's such a good movie is that all of the characters have really interesting sort of character development issues going on. They all have a problem. They all have a flaw. And they're working at overcoming it during the movie. Some of the smaller ones like don't really have an arc that much. They're not there as important, but they are trying to get there. Like even one of the smallest characters to appear, Veronica, played by Julia Stiles right? That's Tiffany's sister. You have her sort of like being a little overbearing and she's like trying to, to set Pat and Tiffany up kind of, but like his friends meet, they have a new baby. There's, there's clearly things going on in her life that make her who she is. She's not a terrible character at all. But you can also tell there's points where her husband keeps making these hilarious uh, little gestures with his hands. He's like, ah, she's choking me. She won't even let me listen to my music on an iPod. 
So that is kind of funny. I th- also think it's funny that, that chastity is what the comus that this expression would come from was honoring because, well, one, so there's no actual sex in this movie either. But, okay, well, there is the flashback scene between Nikki and the other high school teacher that she is having an affair with. Uh, Pat just catches them in the shower together. But none of the characters like actively hook up during the course of the movie. And in fact, Tiffany has a history of a lot of sexual escapades and she sort of goes through like a period of chasteness during the film, which I think is really one. It's a very symbolic, but great thing for her character for what it sort of does to the story. And I think it's done so well and respectfully because even early on, she has this line where Pat calls her a slut and she, she really gives him what should have been like a climactic moment at the end of a film where she's like, you know what? My past is my past. It's true. And I'm not ashamed of it, but I also have learned to forgive myself, I've forgiven myself for that. Can you say the same about yourself? And so it's not it, like, that's a very, I think cathartic moment for that character too that she sort of acknowledges what she's done and maybe she's not happy with that decision, but understands it does not make her a bad person. And also then you have several of the gentleman suitors that show up that she might've texted in moments where she was sad. And one of the, the theories, the points that I always theorize where she actually sort of starts to fall in love with Pat or sort of sees him as a genuinely nice guy is when he, kicks one of them off of her porch, not literally, but he makes him go away basically saying, Hey, you don't want this. She's not able to handle this right now. You should go find something better to do. So that's why I just, I laughed so hard when I found out that the, the Comus mask was to celebrate chastity because that's sort of going on in this movie slash book. Didn't laugh that hard. Like it's not super funny. It's just one of those neat little connection things. That I found. So the the phrase silver lining, uh, the Wikipedia definition is a silver lining is a metaphor for optimism in the common English language, which means a negative occurrence may have a positive aspect to it. I, I cited Wikipedia when in fact I should have clicked one more level because everything on Wikipedia is then cited to an original source. Wikipedia itself should not really be used to cite things, but interesting story I will tell at another time. Actually, no, I'm going to tell it right now because this is the best time. It's one of the things I'm most proud of. I'm so I was in the military once I actually went to uh, military intelligence school and I did this back in, Hmm, I don't know. Uh, However long ago, somebody that's probably around 27-ish now would have gone. That might not be 100% true. Whatever, I don't know. I didn't research the facts on how old I am. Anyway, we had to write papers pretty often. Uh, We had different research assignments where we'd study different case studies on different like insurrections going on around the world. I was assigned a paper on the Moro Islamic liberation, Moro Islamic liberation front. Yeah, that's right. So I, I didn't really want to do, I was very lazy in all of school. Didn't want to do a lot of research. Now this is back when, and so if I say 2007, you're probably going to do some math now and know that maybe my math wasn't correct. 2007, right? So Wikipedia was not what it is now. YouTube is not what it was now. Social media is not what it was now. So everybody was not super familiar with what Wikipedia was and how unreliable it is. Now, when I say unreliable, it's actually pretty reliable because everything has to be cited and it's checked by the community. And if something is not accurate for a while, it will become accurate. So there's some ways in which Wikipedia might be one of the most 
accurate sources, but it's still just not great for citing because users can change it. It's basically user-generated content. Now, to be super fair, I'm making fun of the fact that back in 2007, people didn't know what it was. I have not been on it in a really long time, so I do not know if their rules have changed. It might be totally different now. There might be some standard to submit things. Anyway, long story short, no, it's already a long story. I would write papers just making everything up, and then I would post the paper in completion on Wikipedia, and then I would cite the Wikipedia article that was basically the paper I wrote as the source for all the information I wrote for the paper. <laughs> I never I never got in trouble for it. <laughs> which should which should be terrifying <laughs> that that's the behavior of some of the uh, intelligence professionals that work for the Department of Defense. Yeah. <laughs> One of the other great things is I would also include the names of some of my other fellow students as the different uh, actors that happened in these historic events. So I don't know. I haven't looked up more Islamic Liberation Front insurrection in a long time, but, and I'm sure it's changed. It should have been changed if it hasn't then there's a very poorly written fictional paper that I wrote in 2007 on there. All that. <laughs> Let's go back to the actual, what we were talking about. The Wikipedia definition of silver lining, and this is a good definition because I think they're right. A silver lining is a metaphor for optimism in the common English language, which means a negative occurrence may have a positive aspect to it. So that's one of the key parts about the phrase silver lining. It's not just saying, good things will happen. It's really an attempt to look at something that is a negative occurrence that may have effects that are positive, basically. It's so, I don't know, you say something like something bad happens. Let's take, for instance, there's a pandemic going on. It's 2020, right? But from the shutdown and all the other industries that I was working on, I finally had the opportunity to start a project that I've been wanting to do for a long time and very passionate about, the Silver Linings Playcast. So the Silver Linings Playcast is, in fact, my silver lining. <laughs> Let's look at the whole expression, a Silver Linings Playbook. Now, I actually had to just look up Silver Lining Playbook but Merriam-Webster Dictionary says, one, one or more plays in book form. Two, a notebook containing diagrammed football plays. Three, a stock of usual tactics or methods. For example, quote, straight from his opponent's political playbook, end quote. Now, I think each one of these could somewhat be a different, uh, at least sort of like metaphorical meaning. I don't actually know which one was the inspiration for the title. The mil the movie cover has pictures of football plays on the back. So I think there was definitely a reference in, and I'm, I'm going to say this only the, the movie poster artists mind or whoever, whoever makes the call on that. I mean, it is clever because it ties in the whole sports. There's a lot of sports in the book. It plays a major theme in the book and movie. It's some very important plot points revolve around it. Uh, the Eagles being a love that Pat and his dad, his whole family shares. There's, there's the sports gambling. So there is a very literal meaning behind the Silver Linings playbook. There, you know, there's sports, that's sports reference. The first one, one or more plays in book form. Now they're literally talking about a book for plays, playbook. Oh, you know what? I'm wrong. I only looked up, play, this is just definitions of playbook, not silver linings. Just definitions of playbook. 
So the first one they're saying is it's one or more plays in a book form, which makes sense. This is, you know, play, screenplay, blah, blah, blah. You get it. Now let's go to the third one. A stock of usual tactics or methods straight from his opponent's political playbook. So, so playbook is sort of like things that you do constantly, not, not a behavior in the sense of a behavior being the playbook, but if you have a repertoire of go-to things that you always use in different situations, sort of that, that collection of things would be your playbook, right? So now when we put those things together, silver linings is looking at the positive from a negative outcome and playbook is basically a, a battle plan. Let's take it a little more uh, metaphorically. It's like a, a plan or system to do something. So Silver Linings playbook would be basically the behavior of finding the best in bad situations, which is completely what this movie and book is about. I just rewatched the scene where Pat is reading A Farewell to Arms by Ernest Hemingway. And he's, he's reading that because it was on his ex-wife Nikki's summer reading list for, for her students. And he, start, he finishes it, and then he gets mad. He slams the book, he throws it out the window, and then he goes in to see his parents, which are played by Robert De Niro and Jackie Weaver. And he wakes them up, they're asleep, and, and, or maybe they're going off to bed. And he goes in there and he's just like, what, this... This book's terrible. I can't believe Nikki is is making her kids read this. This is so depressing. It's it's about a guy who goes to war and then he gets blown up and he, but he survives and he comes home and and so you think everything's going to be fine there. And then Pat goes on to say, "But does he stop there? No, he writes a whole other ending where his wife dies." And then it's just depressing. Like he worked through so much. You, you could have had a good story of him overcoming this problem. And then everything is taken away from him again. Right. I find this really a fascinating change because in the book, the silver linings playbook, instead of farewell to arms, that book was the bell jar by Sylvia Plath we will go into the differences between these books in the next episode. There's so much to go into the different books, but this is a really weird change because it's right. I have not read farewell to arms. I'm going to, it's on my summer reading list. Now I'm going through the reading list. So I find it very, maybe it was important to put that there to sort of set a tone because this is very early in the movie. He, he just got out of the, uh, being institutionalized and made at home. So it's sort of showing that he's just getting started trying to get his life together. But his little rant that he goes in and tells his parents really shows where he is mentally, his headspace. But he's trying because his whole statement is, why can't there be a happy ending sometimes? Kids deserve to read a happy ending. Maybe somebody should look for a happy ending. Well... It's too bad he couldn't watch the old move, his own movie that he was in because there is a pretty happy ending. Uh, I am not going to give away if you haven't seen it, but honestly, if you haven't seen it, there is no reason you should have be on the fifth podcast <laughs> about that movie. There's another expression in the movie which I think thematically goes right along with all the things we're going to be saying. It's Pat's personal mantra that he picked up while he was institutionalized. And it is the word excelsior. Now, excelsior is Latin, meaning ever upward. Another very motivational phrase. That's what he says. He keeps saying it. It's the state motto of New York. They bring that up in in the movie. He, he quotes that, uh, the state bird is the eagle that's why the eagles lost the whole thing will so i did some looking up of 
Excelsior, there is a poem by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow called Excelsior. It's a little long, but we're going to read it right now really quick. Okay. Excelsior by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. The shades of night were falling fast as through the Alpine village passed. A youth who bore mid snow and ice, a banner with the strange device, Excelsior. His brow was sad, his eyes beneath, flashed like a falchion from its sheath, and like a silver clarion rung, the accents that unknown tongue, Excelsior. In happy homes he saw the light of household fires gleaming warm and bright. Above the spectral glacier shone, and from his lips escaped a groan, Excelsior. Try not the past, the old man said. Dark lowers the tempest overhead. The roaring torrent is deep and wide, and loud the clarion voice replied, Excelsior. Oh, stay, the maiden said, and rest, the weary head upon this breast. A tear stood in his bright blue eye, but still he answered with a sigh, Excelsior. Beware the pine tree's withered branch, beware the awful avalanche. This was the peasant's last good night. A voice replied far up the height, Excelsior. At break of day, as heavenward, the pious monks of St. Bernard uttered the oft-repeated prayer. A voice cried through the startled air, Excelsior. A traveler by the faithful hound, half buried in the snow was found, still grasping in his hand a vice that bannered with the strange device, Excelsior. There in the twilight, cold and gray, lifeless but beautiful he lay, and from the sky serene and far, a voice fell like a falling star, Excelsior. Now that, (laughs) one, uh, I'm pretty sure nobody has ever heard of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, uh, so we don't even know if this poem is good or not. I only found like 50,000 websites that were analyzing what this meant, which was good because I had no idea. I know it's a pretty simple poem, but I am a pretty dumb boy. Also, I'm sorry I mispronounced, I think, Falchian. Falchian. Falchian is probably what I should have said. That is a type of sword, I think. And then later it goes, flash like a falchion from its sheath and like a silver clarion rung. Uh, that, that's not the rhyming lines. It's in the middle of the stanza. Clarion, I believe, is like a war trumpet too. So it's sort of saying he, when, when he says Excelsior at the poem, he says it at the end of each of the stanzas. He goes, Excelsior! And it just rings like a battle cry to, to motivate him ever upward, which is both a literal and metaphorical use in this poem because it is about a boy that is making his way up the mountain. I'm going to go over some analysis of it in a second, but I just want to go back because this was hilarious to me that basically he's, he's going on and as he climbs up the mountain further and further, several different people see him and they're like, you, you probably don't want to go up there, buddy. It is dark and it is dangerous and storms coming in and he just keeps going, man, like, nope, Excelsior, got to keep going. But it's funny to me in the one stanza that goes, oh, stay, the maiden said, and rest. The, thy weary head upon this breast, a tear stood in his bright blue eye, but still he answered with a sigh. Uh, so saying, he he did not have a problem with the two other guys. With When, when the two men approached him, he was just like, uh, Excelsior, got to go, got stuff to do. Apparently, a woman told him, hey, you can stay with me overnight and use my breasts as a pillow. And he he did not get distracted, but it's clear he shows the he was the closest to there. <laughs> a tear stood in his eye. <laughs> anyway, isn't isn't that always the way? <laughs> That's always the distraction. Okay, so I I don't even want to pretend like I'm smart and understood what these poems meant. So I went to some poem analysis. And the first one, I think, is probably pretty wrong. 
Given what I read from all the others, most people consider this an inspirational poem about perseverance and moving forward, which is why I love, love, love the first one that I read. It is from poemanalysis.com. This is from Andrew Walker. All right, and he writes... The conclusion of this poem is hardly a surprising one because the reader knows, thanks to the many warnings that the youth received, that the path ever higher was a dangerous one to take. In a tranquil scene, a group of monks find the peace of their morning prayer shattered by the youth's cry. Eventually, someone investigates and finds the frozen body of the man, his journey ended by his death in the snow, still holding fast to his banner. Those who find him see beauty in his form, but he is still dead, still gone and still fail in his quest. The poem ends with the stars in the sky echoing his dying words, serving as a reminder that even he reached the peak of the mountain, there still would have been an entire world of mystery and unknown above his head. It was always impossible to reach the highest point of existence and the world of, uh, uh, and the man found only death trying <laughs> while he was offer, offered a life, happiness and comfort in return for giving up the journey. Eventually, uh, some some point has to be high enough. Excelsior cannot be a hard rule for living because there is always something higher to reach for as a youth, and Excelsior would have sadly learned the hard way. <laughs> I love this. This is this has gotta be like somebody somebody who is a nineties kid that does poem analysis now. And it's not wrong, dude. That's the other thing. I think I think poetry that stands the test of time, it can, it can it, there's certain universal truths that apply to everybody uh, uh, always and that is why good writing lasts forever. But also, the context of generate different generations, they will mean different things to different people. And I just love Andrew Walker's conclusion because it is authoritative on a website some kid is going to cite this in research for a school project or something and go in and raise his hand in english class and be like i know what this means it means that basically you can never accomplish your goal if you're always trying to do better and you will just die not even having crossed nearly most of the the mysterious uh you know beyond in front of you. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sorry that I'm laughing because I'm sure when, when Andrew Walker got his Bachelor of Arts in communications and technology information and poetry that he did not think some person was going to be absolutely laughing <laughs> when he read his deep analysis. I should also point out that this is the analysis it is conclusive of the poem, but he was also going stanza by stanza to, I just sort of skipped to this one because it sort of sums up his thoughts on the whole meaning of the poem. The other ones were just literally interpreting what was happening, but not really analyzing what was happening. Also, I don't know that much about poetry. I keep calling these stanzas. I think they are, but I, for all the research I did, not a hundred percent sure that's the term if I'm wrong. I have egg on my face, probably because I'm keto right now. So let's go to another analysis of the poem, which I actually think is probably, here's the thing. I am, you know, I try to, I try to be lighthearted and silly. I'm a comic. I try to be funny. I'm not so stupid as to think like, Oh, this is a depressing poem. Even though comedically, I want to give a totally depressing analysis of it. I know that the general consensus of it is it's a very inspiring poem. So this this is just from my lazy research, the second analysis that came came up of it. This is from beamingnotes.com. It is not attributed to a specific author. It just says contributed by the staff at Beaming Notes. And what they say is, the journey undertaken by this young man is a metaphor for life itself. In life, we face many difficult situations. We are tempted to take the easy way out. Often we are scared of what will happen in the future. However, such situations should not be, discourage us. No matter what happens, we must keep living. No man can escape death, for man is a mortal creature. 
but that should not stop us from embracing all that life has to offer us. We must conquer our fear of death and continue on the journey of life with the courage our hearts. This is the message that Longfellow wants to give us through this poem. Now, is is one of them right and one of them wrong? I don't I don't think like you no. No, cuz it's poetry. The author definitely probably had an intent in his heart to give us but this is the thing too. Once you give art up to to the public, it is whatever us as the reader takes takes from it. So I think in in ways they're both right. I actually like both interpretations very well. There, if you look at um, what's his what's his face, Long Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. By the way. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. That is a great name. He's from the 1800s. I'm sure that's what names were like back then. Uh, that That's a funny name right there. It it kind of sounds like innuendo, right? Like they're, they're just trying to make up a name. Like, ah, what you call yourself, sir? Oh, my name's Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Hmm. <laughs> That's, that's the kind of name I'm always going to do that little laugh at the end of, <laughs> you know, just, um, anyway, I know, right. We were going to be so sophisticated and talk about all motivational things and even discuss poetry on this episode. And here we are. That's, that's who I am. But now let's look at that. All, all of these things in context, right? We've broken down the, the expression, Silver Linings Playbook. Do you think this was a good choice for the mov- the movie and the book? One of the big differences that, between the book and the movie title, and yes, it's a big difference. The book is called The Silver Linings Playbook, and the movie is called Silver Linings Playbook. Would the movie have been titled better if it had been called The Silver Linings Playbook? Or would the book have been better if it had been called Silver Linings Playbook? I think it's probably important that the book calls itself the silver linings playbook because it really has a lot more time to go into Pat's plan to get better. The film really focuses on his relationship with Tiffany, his relationship with his father. The book focuses way more on Pat's relationship with his mental health and it focuses a lot more. There's a lot more interaction with his psychiatrist, Dr. Cliff Patel. And so there's a lot more talk of what is his plan to, to make things better, to fix himself. He spends a lot more time institutionalized in the book than he does in the movie. I forget now the facts off the top of my head, but I think, I think it's in the movie. He's been in there for like eight months. And in the book, he's been in there and for five years, so a lot of the book talks about him being, being in there a lot longer talks about the, the, the plan and the treatments and, and he really goes into the people telling him to get better in the movie, because it's really focused more on what a typical movie would be. All of these mental health aspects are the, uh, they they create his character and his his problems. It's the environment and situation for the plot. But every movie story is really about people and relationships. Books can be about way way different things, and people might want to argue with me on about it. But I'm I'm really just talking about what you have time to focus on. A movie is ninety minutes to two hours, and so you're going to have this story format that's going to be pleasing to general audiences. And you really have very limited time, especially with how much information you're putting in there. It's very hard to fit all the information from a book into a movie. That's what we were discussing in the last episode, how much more respect I have once I did all the studying between the difference between the book and the movie. I've read very few books that became movies or vice versa. And it really shows you why adapted screenplay is sort of considered a different art in the Academy Awards. You really have to make a lot of decisions about what to cut. Do you need to add things? Do you need to change things? 
it's it's a related and similar skill to write a, an original screenplay and adapted screenplay, but there's a lot of differences in in like what where where you go to look for that writing skill inside your mind to do that well. They did a fantastic job on this. You know that. I know that because I love this movie and it was a great movie. So I do think, I do think that the, that little change, I call it a little change this time and a big change previously works. I don't think it's super important. I don't think the difference matters at all, except for the fact that you could say the book, if he didn't have the idea of making it in a movie at a time, the silver linings playbook, I kind of like that a little bit better. Because it's focusing on, like I said, Pat's plan. It's a little bit more about his journey through mental illness, his fight against it, and his healing from it. The movie, he does go through all that, but the movie's not as much about that. It's still largely about it, but if you if you take any screenwriting class or you ever talk to, peop- to, to people, uh, execs are going to ask if you try to sell them, you, you got to tell them the personal narration. What happens to the characters? What is the hero's journey through this story? So they weren't focusing as much on his mental journey. They're focusing way more in the movie on his external journey and the things that happen with his interpersonal relationships. So that's a totally fine change. I, you know, I probably would have, changed it completely and called it, um, I don't know. It could still be a date. It can still be a date if you were to raise him right. That's right. Cause that is my favorite part of the movie. All those other themes and stuff. We're going to have to talk about cereal on this podcast. I really love cereal. I've always wanted to go to one of those cereal bars, right? I don't even know if they still exist. It can't be a good business model. But just I've heard there's well I've seen on the Travel Channel that there's actually places you can go where you can pay way more than it probably costs to eat cereal. Uh, but you can, but what I want is you can you can pick it, right? Because I one of the joys I found one of the silver linings of getting older and being an adult because everything is terrible about it. Everything about being an adult and having to be responsible and do everything for yourself is absolutely dreadful. The silver lining being you can buy whatever you want at the grocery store. I mean, considering if you can afford it. So all those sugary sweet cereals that I was not allowed to have as a kid. Now I should not be allowing myself to have them as an adult, but I was not allowed to have them as a kid because they were just too expensive and not good for me. And now they are the most delicious thing ever. I think some of my favorites, Cinnamon Toast Crunch, Golden Grahams, uh, a lot of Apple Jacks. I always used to see that commercial when I was a kid. Why do you kids eat Apple Jacks if they don't taste like apples? You know who didn't understand what that was? Me. Because Jamie didn't get to eat Apple Jacks. No. You got to eat... um, well, I didn't really eat breakfast as a kid. Not because I couldn't. I just, I didn't like breakfast. You know what I ate? I ate Raisin Bran. When I got lunch at sc- or breakfast at school, I got Raisin Bran. So maybe that's why I learned to love it. Maybe I loved Raisin Bran first, and then when that movie hit, or, or that line hit. It can still be a date if you order Raisin Bran. That's what made me fell in love fall in love with the movie. So I don't know. Picking, picking the right cereal for your movie can be silver lining. Now I want to talk about really quick because I don't have that much longer. We've been talking about this for way too long, but silver linings. I had one. I have been absolutely loving doing this podcast. Why? Partially because during this pandemic, I have not talked as much as I normally do. Normally I do stand up comedy for a living and travel around the country telling jokes to strangers, not saying that like it's an impressive thing to do. Basically anybody 
can do it. Uh, if you can talk, hold a microphone, and drive to where you're going, you can do it. There's varying degrees. I was a feature. I would go up in between the host and the headliner and do 20 minutes to 30 minutes, depending on the venue, uh, anywhere from, you know, like two to six shows in a weekend. But, you know, there's a lot more things involved than just doing the stand-up comedy, too. Performing, that's the fun part. A lot of writing behind the scenes. I do a lot of research, just like I'm sure Matthew Quick did or David O. Russell did in writing a screenplay. So I want to pretend like my jokes were so full of facts and symbolism, just like all the way to to John's mask, Comus, but they're not really. My, my comedy was not that deep. I have jokes like, you know, uh, well, one of the, one of the things was about you know how hard it is to be a a Chinese comic uh, or why is, see I don't even remember my jokes I haven't I haven't done it so long my joke is uh, do you know the do you know the reason it's hard for me to be a Chinese comic I'm Korean <laughs> and that's so stupid I actually I wrote that joke by mistake I did I was at the Laughing Skull in Atlanta during the laughing skull comedy festival. And I went on stage to do my five minute set or four minute set. And I got sort of nervous. I'm not nervous, but it was also a contest. So the stakes are a little higher than normal. And just, you know, you're there with so many good people. Great comedy club. It's fantastic. But I was, I was there and I was still sort of new to comedy too. So I was just sort of tripping over my words. And I think I accidentally said something along the lines of something like, it's hard for me to be Chinese. And in my head, I was thinking Korean. And it was like, oh, because I'm Korean. I It was a total flub. People laughed so hard. That became not only my opening joke for like the next eight years of my career, but also just... An example of my laziness as a writer, because I also, that means in eight years, I never wrote a new opener. I'll admit it, but you know why? Because I am, um, if all that had not transpired, then I would not be right here doing a podcast, which I'm super happy about because part of me always wanted to go into radio when I was younger. And now I basically get to. Nobody listens, but you know what? If I was broadcasting on terrestrial radio right now, that is a dying platform. So there is a possibility that if I was on real radio, nobody would be listening to me either. Uh, that is true. I say that I've actually had way more listens to this than I deserve. And if anybody is, I want to thank you so, so much because that is a lot of fun. If anybody would like to be on the Silver Linings Playcast, simply shoot me an email at silverliningsplaycast at gmail.com. I am able to conduct interviews by radio by, by phone. So you can just call in and we can get you on on the podcast. You don't have to do anything. Silver Linings Playbook at Gmail Playcast. Silver Linings Playcast at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook. We have an Instagram. It's at Silver Linings Playcast. Is there any other social media that I have to do? No, I don't. I'm pretty lazy. I barely do Instagram either. But we're on all the platforms. I really shouldn't have to say where the the podcast platforms are because if you've listened this far, you've clearly already found it. So... Anyway, this has been super fun. I love doing this one. I want to promise that I am not actually an inspirational person. I, this wasn't particularly inspirational, but we were mentioning other inspirational podcasts a lot. So make sure you tune in next week. We are going to be talking about the reading list, Nikki's reading list. I actually just finished this the, the Bell Jar by Sylvia Plath, and I, one, love the book. I thought it was amazing. It was written so well. There is a reason it is a classic. But also, 
I saw a lot of themes and even just written phrases, sentences, dialogue that really mirrors a lot of the both dialogue and imagery in Silver Linings Playbook, the movie, and maybe the film. The movie and the film. The the book. So we're going to talk about that. I am working my way down Nikki's entire reading list. I'm going to tell you how I find that and all of that. But this is all the time we have this week. Make sure to tune in every Friday or Thursday. Also, I release these on any other day of the week that I feel like. So until next time, we sign off with Excelsior, and we will see you down the road. kind of crazy. She's a little insane. Keeping Kenny G really messes with his brain. One is the forest. The other's husband is dead. That's why it's so messed up in the head. It's a Silver Linings Playcast. Oh, yeah.